Rogue Media. <laughs> Laser grids? There's two. Everybody. Hmm. It's Derek's bedroom. He doesn't have laser grids in here. Prove it. There's, we're in it. There, we're stepping in it. We're stepping all around it. And shh, 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 Fine. Big step. Okay. Perfect. Right. Okay, you're clear. All right, fine. Now right. I'm going to duck under them like Catherine Zeta Jones. Bell! We do not have time for this. Just go over there and grab the freaking TV. Okay, okay, fine. Not that TV. Our wait, TV. Wait. Oh, yeah. But I kind of like this TV. It's bigger than mine. No, that's fine. It is a nice TV. But no, we need the TV in our name, man. We need, like, the, the rights to the TV. They're somewhere Shh. in the. Shh. Run, Barry, run. Shh. Too loud. Okay, I see, I see, I see. So, how about this? I'm going to take his regular TV. No, no, Bell, that, that, is, that is nothing to help us. That literally does nothing to help us. Wait, there, I, there it is, there it is, Bell. Oh, it, wait, it, oh, I see it, I see it. It's under his pillow. Oh, this is going to be hard. Give me a bowl of hot water. Your what theories the? are wrong. No, just grab it, just grab it, and then we hightail it out of here. Get it, get it, go get it. Uh, okay, okay, ready? Be careful. Okay. One, two, swipe. Ah! No, Bell, go away. No, Bell, no. Accelerating your fandom, this is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. Bell, man, how you doing tonight? I can't breathe or hear anything. Well, you know what? It's fine. You know why? Because Savitar cures my allergies? No, because we got our TV back. We got to continue the bit. We got to... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we did get our TV back. It was through a very uh, monumental effort with lasers... And hot water and Catherine Zeta Jones. But we got it back. Hey, we got it back. We got it back, and that's what matters. So, anyway, yes, we are Flash TV Talk. And until uh, the guys over at Starkville Labs realize that we, <laughs> that we stole it back, I think we're good. Um, I, I think, I, I don't, I don't think their lawyers are going to come a calling, but uh, one way or the other, I think we're, <laughs> we'll be all right. Uh, hey man, we've got a great show to talk about tonight. We've got a great uh, episode of the flash to discuss with uh, some amazing reveals, some, I told you so's and all that kind of good stuff that comes with it. But before jumping into that, we do have some housekeeping and that is first and foremost to welcome new patrons and give huge thank yous to not just a hero, not just a superhero, but also a brain trust. We got new members at every single level. So shout them out, man. We got Mike joining at the hero level. Big ups to Mike. We got Justin at our superhero tier. And all the way up to Brain Trust, where his brain is in our trust or vice versa. We got Jason Brown. So guys, Jason, Justin, Mike, y'all are awesome. Thank y'all so much for helping the creation of this show by becoming patrons. And by the way, you too can become a patron as well if you go to patreon.com slash TV talk. If you're listening on the Satchel Podcast Player, just click become a patron. It's right there in the player itself. 
Uh, you guys are helping make this show happen with guaranteed content. Every single time there is a new episode of The Flash, you get a new podcast at the quality, at the consistency that you know and love, uh, specifically because of patrons like you. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for helping make this happen. Big ups to you guys. Also, we hope that all of you patrons and beyond join us next week. Uh, that's May 16th at 8 p.m. Central Time. That is going to be when, right after the penultimate episode of this season of The Flash, Bell, you and I will be jumping online and having a Flash TV Talk game night with the then-launching game of Injustice 2. That is true. Uh, and I will be playing a lot of games because I'm going to need to practice a lot before you guys destroy me. Uh, no, so this should no. be fun. We've worked this out, man. It's on launch day. Like literally. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I'm going. I'm going to get the game. I'm going to practice with you guys, and then maybe by the end of the evening, I'll be good enough to like not, you know, get zero to one hundred <laughs> or one hundred to zeroed. I guess we should all be sufficiently awful, unless those of us take the time. Uh, you know, you basically quit work. Don't don't go to work that day. Call in sick. Download the game as early as you possibly can. Play it all day and prepare to destroy us. Uh, if you've got an Xbox, you can play with Bell. If you've got a PlayStation 4, you can play with me. Uh, if you want to tune in, if you're not gonna, if you're not willing to play, but you want to watch, uh, Bell will be streaming on Twitch. I'll be streaming on YouTube. We'll have all that information. Actually, it's all available at flashtvtalk.com. We really hope that a lot of you guys can join us. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And plus, since it's right after the penultimate episode of the season, I'm sure there will be a lot of things on our mind talking about the episode that just aired. So I guess to some extent, Potential spoilers may be during that, but based on whoever's playing, we'll try to be mindful of two serious spoilers. I mean, there's going to be things we want to talk about, but who knows what's to come? <laughs> yes, this is going to be really, really fun. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, go easy on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So again, May 16th, 8 p.m. CST, right after uh, the episode of The Flash. Join us. Bell on Xbox, me on PlayStation 4. You also can find that information, including our gamer handles at flashtvtalk.com. All right, man, that's the housekeeping out of the way. You ready to do this? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's jump into the rundown. The, the rundown. rundown. The rundown. Episode 21 of season three, Cause and Effect. Directed by David McWeirter and story by Judelina Neria and Lauren Sierto. Oh, Judelina and Lauren. Bell, what happened this episode? Well, I'll tell you. Savitar explains that he is a time remnant of Barry created by his future self while fighting Savitar. After being shunned by Team Flash, the time remnant became depressed and ran back in time to ultimately become Savitar. He explains that he needs to kill Iris so that Barry will be forced to create him in the future. Sisko proposes to stop Savitar from remembering any of their strategies by stopping Barry from creating new memories, but miscalculations cause Barry to lose his memory. Savitar also loses all of his memories, resulting in Wally's powers disappearing since Savitar never gave them to him. A pyromaniac named Lucius Coolidge gets released because of Barry's inability to testify correctly. Killer Frost helps Sisko and Julian develop a way for Barry to regain his memories so that Savitar would as well. As Coolidge starts a fire, Iris helps Barry regain his memories in time to stop the fire with assistance from Wally. Tracy and HR develop a budding romance. Then she shows the team the completed Speed Force trap, which requires a high amount of energy. Finally, the last scene cuts to a room that has some alien technology from the Dominators, as well as... Dun, dun, dun! King Shark. Street Sharks! Yes, there's going to be some Street Sharks. I'm so excited. But before we get there, we should probably talk about this episode, right? All right, yeah. And let's let's start off by addressing what they started off by addressing, which is the answers to all of our questions last week. <laughs> like, Yes. Literally, they knocked it out in the first 30 seconds of the episode. 
I, I kind of thought they would do that because, you know, everybody's been wondering who Savitar is for so long. We finally figure out it's Barry. And I don't think anyone would have appreciated uh, them dragging out how or why. Mm. And plus, there's not that many episodes for them to do that with. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate the fact that they just came out and was like, OK, yeah, he's a time remnant. And yeah. then the whole the whole causal loop and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So 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 we called we called the time remnant. I called the time remnant. You were pushing back against that pretty hard last last week. I mean, I don't know. Like, we'll get into uh, why. Oh, oh, oh I uh, know. I, I know why because you, you, I've got the audio, so I know you were pushing back hard on that last. last no, week. no, I, I was, I was, but like the whole. I mean, yeah, fine. Uh, so this time remnant just gets shunned by Team Flash. Like, I don't. That doesn't seem very Team Flashy to me. Well, we don't. That's his perspective. You know what I mean? Like, in all fairness, we don't fully know the full story. Uh, we just know what Savitar Barry has to say about that. But regardless, so he, so he's a time remnant. That was confirmed. Uh, causal loop. Very much confirmed. Now, in all fairness, I, I got to give you full props for that because that's something that you mentioned. I've been saying it since day one. Well, early on in the season, for sure, man. And, and yeah. that is that is a torch that I've I've been happy to to champion for you at every chance that we get. But uh, but you were you were so right on that one. So big ups to Bell. Round of applause across the internet right now for Bell. Yeah. And, and, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's that's really what shaped my prediction as to what Savitar would be. Is like I didn't think they would go with such like a high concept as a causal loop, uh, because of the you know intrinsic problems that you have with causality. But they did, and so <laughs> you know, so that's that that's why my predictions were wrong. It's not my fault. It's it's causality's fault. Interesting. So you called it. You just didn't believe they'd do it. Right. Exactly. I, I knew all along. I was just <laughs> testing you guys. You see. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. All right. I, I really, mm, I have got an interesting love hate relationship with this episode. If I'm being totally honest, I, uh, there are elements of this episode that are just kind of like, what? But there are also moments in this episode that are brilliant. And on top of that, this episode kind of pays off on some of the quote unquote world building that has been established over the last several episodes. Case in point in that first explanation uh, uh, moment where Savitar is explaining everything that's going on to Flash, you know, Barry starts kind of rolling through some things. Well, I could kill him myself. And he's like, well, you know, you could, but that was season one. And remember, it didn't stop Eddie from, or Eobard from popping back. Of course, that's not exactly what he said. We'll talk about that later on. Um, you know, he, he goes into the whole time remnant thing. Like a lot of what they've built up in terms of how the speed force, how the Flash's power set, how the universe works on this show is brought up and and kind of addressed. And so rather than, you know, you almost think that with like, for example, time travel, it's like this deus ex machina type thing. Like, well, why not always go back? Why not always use time travel? And then nothing's wrong. They've done a pretty good job at saying like, no, 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 no. You, you, you change time. You use these powers. Yes, they are quote unquote all powerful until they're not. And in which case, and, you know, Barry going back in time, him killing himself because time remnants and, and everything else are, are still protected by the speed force. Him killing himself doesn't actually necessarily in this instance do anything to protect Iris long term other than take him out of the game. Yeah. And then who's going to protect Iris if he's dead? Well, one would assume Wally. However, uh, this episode, I actually want to talk about this. Probably let's let's just go ahead and talk about it right now. My biggest critique for this episode overall is this notion of what happened with Wally. So, you know, obviously this was the big amnesia episode. Barry loses, you know, they, they wipe his mind. Cisco has this idea like, well, if if Barry doesn't know what's going on, we can kind of devise a plan. And that way, you know, Barry won't know what it is. Therefore, we can stop Savitar because Savitar won't know what it is. It backfires. Hijinks ensue. We'll talk about that. Here's the problem. Wally specifically loses his powers 
Because why? Well, so I thought about this a lot, and I think what it boils down to is because we have a causal loop, uh, everything is dependent on Savitar. Like, like, so, so Barry's created Flashpoint, right? Yep. Uh, at this point. However, if Barry doesn't remember anything, he doesn't remember that he uh, that, that Wally ever had powers to begin with, right? So he doesn't remember Flashpoint. He doesn't remember any of that. So going forward, the future Barry wouldn't would also not remember Flashpoint. Would also not remember Wally, uh, you know, getting powers and things like that. So since future Barry doesn't remember it, or since present Barry doesn't remember it, future Barry, aka Savitar, also doesn't remember it. So when Savitar goes back in time, ah, see, this, this right, is probably right. causality, right? All right. So yeah. So here's here's the deal, and and I realize this is dangerous because we're getting high concept early on in the podcast, and I and we we try not to do that, but I I just I have to address this because the rest of the rest of everything I have to say about this is fairly glowing. There's a lot of great moments and, and a lot of great character moments throughout this episode, but this was something that really bothered me because they did such a fantastic job of using the lore that they established in in this universe. Like for example, uh the idea that Barry loses his memory, therefore Savitar Barry also loses his memory. That that actually that equals out to what yeah. we saw in season 1 because the idea being that if a future you is in the present. They can be actively impacted by what's going on with the present you. Like that, that actually, that cause has momentarily effect. It doesn't match much time travel rules in, in other universes, but it matches specifically this because we saw this with Eddie. We saw Eddie kill himself, and therefore his offspring, or, or you know, the offspring of their his offspring, ends up being eradicated in the present. However, the timeline stays intact. Therefore, Barry losing his memory now impacting a future iteration of himself in this who is in this present makes sense but the idea that what that future iteration has done is then impacted does not make sense because based on what they established early on eobard was erased however everything eobard had done up until that moment was not erased the future room is still there well, I'm not going to talk about Gideon, but everything, his relationship yeah. with all of these characters, they still refer to him as the quote unquote evil Wells. Like all of that happened. They all have that, that, that same memory, that same, uh, that same history there. So that's the part that really kind of bugged me. It almost felt as though there was a need in this story, which is true, uh, for all of the heroes to be depowered in some form or fashion. For Barry, it was you know losing the ability to, to think about the fact that he's got the powers, and so therefore they needed to take Wally off the table as well. They needed to remove the heroes and remove the most powerful villains so that the sidekick slash henchmen could come together to solve a problem. I get that. I, I you know Like I said, it does open up opportunities for great character development. It's, it's a, maybe it's a nitpick, but it's a, it's, it's a bothersome one to me because I love the fact that they paid off on the rules that they established early on. It bothers me that they also broke them at the same time. Yeah, I agree with you, man. It's, it's one of those things where, yeah, they, they needed Wally to be depowered. They needed Barry to be depowered so that they could work on all these different other characters and, and, the, and their story arcs. And so it's just unfortunate that that's the way they decided to go with depowering Wally. Uh, because like you said earlier, you know, it, it doesn't change the fact that all those things had already happened. I like the fact, it's kind of like in Looper, you know, like in Looper, uh, uh, I don't know if you've seen that, but, uh, the the past version of yourself, like if you if you cut on your arm, the future version would have a scar there. So it doesn't change the fact mm -hmm. that like 
anything else aside from that. So like in, in, in Barry's case, he loses his memory. Savitar loses his memory, but everything that Savitar's done up to that point still exists. Yeah. So I think that kind of it, it's it's kind of a cop out, right? Because they, they needed Wally and Barry to be depowered, and that was the easiest, most convenient no, way for them. No, to do that. I disagree. It was not easy because that like <laughs> that just eradicates not doesn't eradicate, but it. It complicates things because, like I said, it just does not match up with what we've seen visually or what the story has told us. Now, you know, they can. Well, that was the laziest way to do it. I, I hesitate to say that, but but to some extent, you're right. It does. It it feels that way. The other thing that bothered me about this episode is, and again, I'm knocking out the bad stuff so I can get to the good stuff because I, I I prefer to end on good as opposed to end on bad because compliment sandwich. Sure. But but the other thing that kind of bugged me about it, and I've, I've seen kind of similar comments in the chat, is that we know Barry's not going to be like going to lose his memory overall. You know what I mean? Like we know that like what happens in this episode isn't going to last beyond this episode. In fact, I even tweeted out during the live show uh, the question of, wait, I don't understand why Wally lose, lost his powers. And I got a little bit of flack for that, and rightly so. Uh, from people who hadn't seen the episode yet because they're on a different time zone and everything. They're like, well, wait, why are you, you know, you guys don't tweet spoilers during the live show. Why are you doing this? And it's I, not really a spoiler. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Cause to me, I didn't feel like it was a spoiler because obviously this is just impacting like a momentary thing. This isn't like a big reveal because we all know that most of this doesn't matter. Like most of what should be big from a, you know, from a power set, from a story, from a lore, that sort of thing didn't matter. Now, that being said, what did matter significantly this episode is the character moments that we got. And that, I think, this is where the dichotomy of this episode falls for me. Because from a world-building standpoint, from from kind of the complexities and, and the uh, perhaps even breakable moments that occurred in this episode, uh, the, the lackluster like WTF moments that, that occurred in this episode, there were actually some really strong character moments that that were huge and extremely significant. Belt, let's start off with Cisco. Cisco, of course, he devises this plan. He comes up with the um, the dentist device that's going to, you know, eradicate Barry's memories. Um, he feels pretty confident in everything that he's doing. He gets excited about it. I feel like Sadsko is no more. Uh, it doesn't feel like he's there. Yeah, Sadsko has been banished to the Speed Force or what? to the Vibe Force. <laughs> Which is interesting because in all fairness, Vibe's experienced a lot of pretty pretty tough hardships in the last couple of episodes. Um, but you know, he is in his element. And I think when he kind of gets ahead of the game, he, you know, you get the sense that he does feel like he's on top of the world. Things are going well, but once, you know, the, the science experiment blows up in his face and, and he is kind of faced with the fact that this isn't his field. This is something that Caitlin would be an expert in when he is forced to team up with Caitlin, they share, uh, man, what I, I think is probably one of the most powerful episodes or uh, moments in the entire series where where he starts recurring like like shared memories between the two of them, and he's telling Julian about it, and he's yeah he's con- that was a great scene. Oh my gosh, it was heartbreaking, and yeah. like like it was done so well. But anyway, what, what were your thoughts, man? Man, it, it, I, I saw exactly what he was doing, right? Like he was relaying that information, and he was doing it in a way that like you know it was it was painful for him because like it's a you know it's a it's it's a, a memory of a friend who's died, but like he's. He's canting that memory in a, in a in a hope that it's going to trigger something in Caitlyn, and so it's kind of like a, it's serving a dual purpose. You know, it's sort of like I'm talking about this because uh, you know these are these are happy thoughts, but I'm doing it specifically. I'm not just bringing this up with Julian to have a conversation. I'm bringing this up specifically to see if I can influence 
the what's left of Caitlyn inside Killer Frost. And so it was really neat to see him, uh, you know, try that and see if there's something in there that, yeah. that he can maybe pull out of her. Uh, so that was a that was a good strategy on his part. But it wasn't something, you know, it wasn't like he was just talking about it. it was, there's was definitely a goal in mind. Oh uh, yeah, to, to bring up that story. Well, it's like that when we were young type type mindset, right? You're sitting there with with your friends who's you know either done some terrible things or or you know maybe they're they're like really in deep and and kind of drug addiction and that sort of thing, and for a brief moment, you try to open up and pull them in by talking about, hey, remember how things used to be? Remember before you were like this? Like like just just trying to connect with them if they've like emotionally closed off. And and pull them into that. And so Cisco did that so well. I mean, in many respects. I mean, I I know he's a metahuman. I know he's he's a super scientist and everything else. But Cisco does represent one of one of the more human characters, despite the fact he's surrounded by human characters. Um, you know, everybody else kind of represents their own uh, archetypical archetypical kind of role in terms of what this team is. But there is a heart to Cisco that I think not everybody else shares in that same way. If they do, it's because of the connection they have to him. And it really shown through in him, his outreach specifically to Caitlin. Now here's my only thing about this because it was really powerful. And I loved that scene. I would have loved it a lot more if Caitlin was actually a villain. Cause at this point she's really not, she's on the cusp. She's, she's being kind of pulled by the dark side but she hadn't killed anybody. She hasn't really done anything too terrible at this point. Like it's only it, to some extent, she's just emotionally cold, but she's not actually a full villain as of yet. I think that a moment like this can be even more powerful. If we're with a Caitlin, that's irredeemable. Like a Caitlin that's standing over Cisco about to murder him or, or Cisco's dying or something. And he's just recounting instead of him, like, you know, pleading for his life. He's just recanting a story. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I think that there is something there, um, you know, so, all right. So it, it's, it's, I feel like in, in these kind of scenarios where you're dealing with, um, you know, serialized television where, where of course you've got. Uh, superheroes and superheroic elements and everything else. I, I think I feel like a lot of people always go back to the gold standard uh, that exists of, of either Buffy the Vampire Slayer or, or Smallville, and and for good reason. In many respects, I would argue that the Flash is the Smallville slash Buffy of this era. Um, love to hear your comments on that. Don't know if I'm going to get praise or support or or, <laughs> or naysayers on that. But that's I really how- hadn't seen either show, so I can't tell you. Oh, both are fantastic. <laughs> both are fantastic, and they 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 speak to the 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 eras they were in, and and, and they. Uh, do do a lot of what we would consider tropey things very well, and in many respects, spin them on the head, especially in, in kind of the Buffy era. There was a later season of Buffy in which they had one of the primary characters, uh, a Willow, who ends up sp- experiencing this trauma. She she is a very powerful character. She's a, she's a witch, so she's got kind of all this magic and everything. She experiences a trauma. Um, I, I almost, I really almost don't want to spoil it per se, just in case. I mean, I know that that, was on almost two decades ago, but yeah, you go ahead. Spoiler. All right. So, so, so spoilers for, you know, uh, 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 angel. No, what? No, Buffy. Buffy. There we go. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so Willow, she, so her girlfriend is, is killed in a very like, like 
nobody saw it coming. It's like, you know, random act. This guy, uh, the bad, the bad guy of that season fires a gun into like the air and misses what he was trying to shoot. And so she's like, literally like she wasn't the intent of the bullet. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was an accidental shot basically. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, so the trauma of that moment causes Willow to go like full on evil. And she's got all this other stuff that she's dealing with and everything else. But regardless, after that, she finds the guy. That, that kills that kills her girlfriend and she literally fillets him like on screen just like just not even thinking about it just rip rips rips literally and it's graphic but li- rips the skin di- like directly off of his off of his body that would be vivisection uh sure regardless it's 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 i mean it's an irredeemable act i mean you know you, you understand where she's coming from you know and everything else but but in that moment she just straight up murders this guy she she holds him down and she murders him uh, in a very graphic way. And then, you know, she goes on and she's about to destroy the world, but then they stop her and, and everything's fine. Well, everything eventually gets fine. But but where she is being stopped is by another character, Xander, from that team, uh, who kind of talks her down. He connects with her on an emotional level. I forget the exact monologue, but it's about a crayon and it's very powerful and it's hard not to watch it and not cry. <laughs> it's incredible. And so that kind of, I love you, I connect with you kind of moment can be far more powerful in <clears throat> that that cry out for redemption is more powerful when the target is irredeemable you know what i mean like like well, it, ma- it makes the redemption a bigger payoff exactly right? and so that's yeah. something that we really need to see i think and i'm worried that we're not going to get it i really am worried we're not going to get it we need caitlin to be irredeemable in order to have a like a, a fulfilling redemption narrative for her. Cause I don't think we're going to get a redemption narrative for, her. I think, I think what in, what's going to end up happening is that, you know, uh, perhaps by season's end, I, I don't, hmm, maybe that's a speculation for another episode, but, but regardless, I'm, I'm concerned based on that flicker in her eye, the, the, the seeing the hu- humane aspect of her, that that's a hint that perhaps she's not far gone yet. I think she needs to, I don't know. Maybe in the future we'll get her like having to make that choice and she'll like in her human mindset make the choice to to go down the dark path, which would be an irredeemable thing. Um, but I, I do. I think that it's not that I always want to see Caitlyn as a villain, but I do need to see her. I, I, I want her to be a villain. <laughs> that sounds like a weird thing. I do want her to be a villain because I think it makes the redemption narrative so much more powerful. This is what happens. I got it. Okay, so you know Caitlyn's eyes flash, which shows, or sorry, it's killer, killer Ross's eyes flash, which show the Caitlyn kind of coming through. Right. So, uh, she, this, this, this would be, this would be the, the way I would do her irredeemable story arc is, uh, you know, Killer Frost, uh, Cisco are fighting. Uh, killer Frost has the upper hand. Uh, you know, she, she's got the big, you know, ice dagger or whatever. And she's gonna stab Cisco. And Cisco's like, you know, he's telling a story, same similar kind of thing. What he did here, her eyes flash, and she kills him anyway, as the Caitlyn, like with with the Caitlyn eyes, just like in a really sort of sad, like, I have to kill you anyway. I'm sorry, and then bam, irredeemable. We'll see, we'll see what happens, man. But uh, but one way or the other, I will say that at least thematically, I do like the idea of kind of this being forced together. Um, even though it happened, I think a, a little bit early in, in this, in the, you know, and where these characters are, I, I do like that. I think we got some great moments in the midst of that. Um, you know, we, Caitlin, we, we did actually get a reveal, uh, in that they, in, they inquire like, why, what, what exactly is your end game here? 
and she seems to imply that she has her own agenda. Um, Bell, what, what, what are you thinking? What is Caitlin's agenda? Well, I really think it's, it's to exercise that part of her that's resisting this killer frost uh, persona. I, th- I think that's what she, she wants. So it, she seems just like a person who's in, in a great deal of pain and a great deal of anger, right? Because when she said uh, earlier uh, that, you know, she never loved any of any of them, any of Team Flash, you know, that, that seems to me kind of like, you know, you have a drug addict or something like that who, uh, uh, you know, they're saying, well, you know, remember all, you know, we always had fun and, you know, we loved you and stuff. And she's like, no, nah, I'm just, and she's really angry. And so just, she wants to say the most hurtful thing and the most hurtful thing she can say right there is she never cared about any of them uh, because, what she's trying to do is push them away because they cause her a great deal of pain. Mm. And so what I think what she's trying to do is sabotage. is she's trying to, to exercise that Caitlin portion of her because every time she's around all the people that she, that she loves, it's just, it just reminds her of this horrible, you know, thing that she's become and, and this, this, you know, bad, you know, evil uh, persona of her that just really causes a great deal of pain. So I think that's what she's trying to do. She's trying to get Savitar to help her exercise that and get rid of that. And so uh, that way, she can at least be at peace with who she is now because she doesn't see a way for her to be redeemed. She sees no cure for her condition. So the only thing that she can do now is to get rid of the portion of her that still cares about these people. And so I think that's what Savitar has promised her and that's what she wants from him. Uh, it's, it's just, I don't know how she's going to go about doing that. Yeah, that's good. Um, last episode, man, we talked a lot about how for several episodes, it feels as though Iris has been kind of on the sidelines. Uh, and we we you know speculated that perhaps in these coming you know the final moments uh, these last three episodes that that was going to take a, a pretty pretty big 180 and of course in this episode it did um, you know the revelation that the that who they are dealing with is is an evil version of Barry uh, that that probably impacts her in a unique way that does not impact the rest of the team uh, I feel like that almost overall everybody kind of sees Savitar as very much a separate entity but you almost saw something in Iris where she recognized that, no, that's that's a future version of the man that she loves. And in many respects, and this is absolutely true, uh, that is the Barry of today. It's just a Barry of today that goes down a dark path. Um, you know, we get in this episode, because of the amnesia Barry, uh, we get Iris's experience with a man that she loves and has known almost her entire life, but has never known in this capacity. You know, we have seen a very... Uh, a very weighted on Barry, a very, um, someone who has been kind of constantly crushed by the trauma of his childhood. You know, first, of course, the, the, the death of his mother, the fact that his father was blamed for it, then the death of his father, uh, then flashpoint. I mean, like, you know, he's, he's got this kind of constant weight of his life on his shoulders. Um, and, and, and even, even as an adult, as he has kind of come into his full superherodom, he's learned even more that the trauma of his childhood directly relates to his own actions. You know, I mean, not not him. I mean, he's not the one necessarily that pulls the trigger. Although after Flashpoint and at the <laughs> beginning of the season, you know, yeah, yeah, he, he literally has to curry his mother's murderer to her. So this is this is a man who's who's experienced trauma from an early age on, and from the moment that Iris met Barry and saw him on the steps of, of their home. Uh, you know, she, that's, that's the, that's the boy that she knew. That's the, that's the man that he grew up into is somebody who carried this weight. So to have someone who's happy, go lucky, has no memory of the deaths of his parents, of all the things that are wrong in his life. I can imagine that's probably pretty nice for her. You know, I mean, look, oh, yeah. if, if you're in a romantic relationship as you get deep and I mean, you know, if you're engaged, one assumes that you've gotten pretty deep at that point. 
you're dealing with somebody else's baggage. You're dealing with the, you know, the skeletons in their closet and everything else, things that people, other people probably have no earthly idea are going on. And to have a clean slate where they're just like a normal, per- like a quote unquote normal person and you don't have to deal with that baggage anymore, I, I can imagine that's pretty intoxicating. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I mean, yeah, because all the stuff that he's had to deal with, Iris has been there with him the entire time. And so to her, this is like a completely different person. This is, this is like, this is the ultimate realization of Barry Allen, not necessarily the flash, but of Barry Allen. This is what he would be without any of those hindrances. And so like, yeah, that that's like, you know, overwhelmingly great for her. Right. Uh, yeah. But what's also interesting though, is, uh, Grant Gustin is an incredible actor. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I had kind of gotten used to his like dour, you know, gloomy flash kind of thing. And I completely forgot about the first season, how, you know, happy go lucky and, and, uh, or at least, you know, he was more so than he is now, sure. but not as much as he was in last night's episode. But, uh, it was so crazy to kind of see a glimpse of that season one, Barry Allen come through last night. And it, and it's so stark, the difference between, his no memory Barry Allen and his uh, you know memory returned Barry Allen. It, it's it's you know it's it's really night and day, and he does a real good job portraying that. It wasn't you know uh, one of those things where it's like okay you know it's only slightly different. It's a completely one eighty like on 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 the Barry Allen character that he did. <laughs> like I thought it was really good. I do think it's funny that that like you know he's so all right. So so granted. Amnesia Barry creates for some interesting moments as he tries to unpack his life, right? And and try to figure out everything that's going on. And it's 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 not that that's a bad storytelling device. It is a little weird that we're two episodes away from the or no, like yeah, two episodes away at that point from the finale and that's the story that we're getting. But regardless, I mean, you have to give give credit where credit is due. It is it is a fun device. And so to see him, you know, you mentioned kind of callback to season 1 Barry. Like I said, I think this is even happier than what we got in season one, Barry. Grant Gustin plays Barry, even as in his brooding state, as a pretty chill guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's not yeah, like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like the season one, Barry is uh, more glower and, 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 you know, I guess sad intrinsically than the no memory Barry. But even still, season three, Barry is way more glum and, you know, sad and, and all that stuff than season one, Barry. And so there's like this, yeah, he's played several versions of the same character, kind of like Harrison Wells or uh, yeah. Tom Cavanaugh. Wait, wait, hang on. Just I'm just realizing something. What is what is freaking Oliver so gloom about? Like, uh, his dad killed him in front of him, like killed himself in front of him. That's kind of that's kind of huge. Yeah, but Barry literally carried his mother's murderer to murder her. Uh, yeah, Barry also uh, carried uh, the bomb onto the the ship, the Queen's Gambit. Yeah, Barry. And so Barry did not like, do that. No, they, he did. He went back in time and he had to do it. It was all part of the plan. And <laughs> not, uh, when he told Oliver this, uh, it made him really sad. And then when he explained to him the reasons why Oliver was still really sad, but uh, he was okay with it. And so now he's just kind of glum. Uh huh. No, no, I'm just saying that <laughs> if, if the two of them actually had a sit and had a chit chat, sat down and like compared tragedies, I'm pretty sure Barry's got Oliver beat by like a mile and even Barry on his most gloomy uh, future sad Barry notwithstanding is way happier than, you know, Oliver on his best day. Well, okay. Uh, you know, honestly, it's, it's kind of, no, 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 no. They have very, very, very similar stories. Okay. You're saying that, uh, you know, yes, he did bring Eobard back to kill his mom, but uh, he 
somewhat created Slade, and Slade killed Oliver's mom. What are you talking about? Are you are you are you still going off of this kind of uh, weird fantasy thing that you're just throwing together? No, Slade Wilson killed uh, Maura Queen. Oh, you're saying that Oliver created Slade? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Oliver created all right, Slade. All right. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. I thought you were thought you were making the no, case no, that no, no, Barry no, no. did that. No, no. Barry, okay. Barry, Barry created all of them by by blowing up the Queen's Gambit. So technically, he's responsible. But no, Barry Oliver. Did, okay, this is where it's yeah. getting confusing. <laughs> so forget all of that part. But no, no, no. Oliver created Slade. Slade killed Oliver's mom. Uh-huh. Uh Oliver's uh, father. Yeah, it is not the same. In front of nope, him. it is not the same. I'm sorry. Like, like that's the thing. Barry, Oliver's even gotten over that. I don't think Barry's ever getting over, you know, the end of Flashpoint. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty brutal. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Um, but anyway, so so you know, one one last thing about Iris that I, I do want to make sure I, I mention is that. You know, because we we I, I feel like Iris and and to some extent it's because of the previews that we've seen and everything else. Iris gets a moment to spend time with a untraumatized Barry Allen. I think that next episode, if not the next, we'll see her engage with a Savitar Barry that is the most traumatized Barry Allen. Like like she is literally today in this episode, she sees Barry at his best, and through Savitar, she is going to see Barry Allen at his worst. Savitar, who and by the what way, what if she likes the bad boy though? I don't think that's happened. <laughs> what if she's like, come on, evil Barry, let's go parade around time? And- no, because he's gonna kill her. I don't think. <laughs> I think they got they got a situation there. Um, all right, so so you know, uh, we actually this episode we actually got to spend a lot more time with uh, Cecile. Uh, you know, to some extent with with the the court case and everything, we actually got to see, you know, dunk dunk Barry Allen CSI. Yeah. We did, and he did a terrible job at his hearing. Oh, he had he had Google glasses slash uh, Julian glasses slash one drop of sweat's not going to break an electronic glasses. Yeah, uh, OMG science. I mean, OMG sweat. I mean, I, I know <laughs> you know it's uh, uh, that that was like you know he said specifically don't get them wet. It's like you're indoors. How's it going to get wet? Unless I don't know that, that I, I felt. I thought there could have been a better way to like break the glasses or something like that. Why did Julian put an emoji in it? Like if you're doing a teleprompter. (laughs) And why would Barry read the emoji? Like you, he knows what's going on. He's not dumb. He's getting prompted to say things. Why would you say the smiley face? Cause well, no, I mean, he does. He has no memory. I mean like, you know, the, okay. Yeah. He has no memory, but like he gets it right. You know, like if I was sitting there and I put a little thing in your ear and I'm telling you stuff to say, and then I'm like, okay, tell them this. Go up to the door and hit the code. You Go got it? Go up to the door and hit the code. Got it? Yeah. See, like you wouldn't say those things. I just said those I, things. Yeah, you're doing it to try to no! prove my point. But, uh. <laughs> but if I say like exactly, you know, like say exactly what I say, <laughs> except for when I say things that you shouldn't say. Captain Dooley, I think, pretty much gets it right here in the chat. He's Ron Burgundy? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, one way. Go after yourself, <laughs> San Francisco, Central City, Center City, Central City. Uh, so, so Flash. Um, I mean Barry, rather. Uh, with with the Google glasses, goes into court. Like I said, we do get to see Cecilia. It is interesting seeing her engage with Team Flash. Um, you know, I don't don't know what her future role on the team is going to be. I think it's it's questionable as to who's going to live and who's going to die in, in the end of this season. But, you know, she is getting more involved here in the tail end. So uh, who knows? Who knows what we'll see with Cecile? Wait, what if Cecile puts on HR's 
face-changing technology and takes one for Iris. Okay, let's talk about HR and his face-changing technology. So HR, we know him to be uh, he, 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 he a player. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he plays. Mm-hmm. We I don't... would quote something from Silicon Valley right now, but I'm not going to because it's, it's not friendly. We don't hate the player. We hate the game. That is true. Do we hate the game? Uh, depends on the game. Uh, he got game. I mean, he does, but like, this is, this is an HR we hadn't seen before. This is like, you know, a nervous HR. Oh, HR's got feelings. All right. So he was being all like, that's the thing we've seen HR is, as kind of a, he ain't nothing but a hound dog. And so to actually see him this episode, he's kind of pulling back. He's, he, he almost seems very reluctant to actually dive into what's going on here. I thought that we were going to actually see him comment about the fact that he is literally pretending to be somebody else. Like I thought they were going to address that in his relationship with her. And maybe he would actually, you know, unmask in front of her essentially. Well, yeah, it sounds to me like it's one of those things where, uh, you know, he's used to playing this persona and getting women, but he's never felt feelings for them before. Mm. Uh, and so now he is feeling feelings for her and she has this idea of what he is and who he is. And he's, you know, it's a classic movie trope if he's scared to like reveal who he truly is because he's afraid she won't like him afterwards. Uh, and so that's kind of what I get. It's, it's one of the, it's, it's one of two things, right? It's, it's that he's afraid uh, that if he, you know, comes out and says, I'm not really a genius, I'm uh, a loser or whatever, that she won't like him. And it's also probably something where uh, he's not used to feeling anything for the women that he gets with, right? Mm. He, it, I, I feel like he's more of a ladies' man kind of guy where, you know, it's like a one and done kind of thing. But this one, this chick's different, I think, for him. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see what, what happens there. It looks like Tracy's definitely stick, sticking around. Uh, by all assumptions, HR sticking around as well. Uh, at this point, Cecilia's stick, sticking around. Looks like Julian's sticking around. Team Flash has gotten very big in the last you know 48 hours, so to speak. In the last two episodes, it, it does seem, uh, especially with the confirmation of the future and everything else that's going on, that... You know, I don't know, man. Is it just one character that's going to die when it's all said and done? Like, literally, are we going to keep this entire cast of characters as, as kind of mainstays for next season? Well, I don't know, because it could be interesting because, you know, Arrow's team has gotten kind of big, too. We could maybe have, you know, in Supergirl, she's got a team. Maybe we could have uh, like an intramural flag football between the superhero <laughs> teams. I, I could dig it. I could definitely see that happening. Um, you know, with what's going on with Tracy, this, this idea of, of moving up the timeline. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned that this episode, one of the things I did like is is when they used the established lore of the series. And, and that's something that we've seen. We saw Eobard throughout season one. Uh, he was very conscientious of maintaining that the uh, that the causal loop that he found himself in was was maintained, that that stayed intact. However, he could also do that while moving up the timeline, implying that even now, as they want to move up the timeline of, you know, trapping Savitar four years from now, as opposed to, you know, two episodes from now, can still happen with the timeline, with the causal loop staying intact. So that's, that's the kind of, I, I love this. I feel very conflicted overall, honestly, about this episode, because in this episode, we got some of the smartest moments and some of the best writing from a lore standpoint and some great character moments but it was it was there were just big chunks not even chunks like just big components that were off about this episode and then there is always the whole idea of like one of the characters loses their mind the stakes didn't feel high in the midst of that it, it created a lot of great moments but it i feel like it was in a in a kind of a 
a stew where the roux was not as tasty. The sausage was great, you know, heirloom peppers and all that other great stuff, but the roux itself was a little weak, and that was the that was the problem, and that's why I feel very conflicted about this episode overall for me Did personally. Did you make a gumbo analogy? I always make a gumbo analogy, sir. Every <laughs> single chance that I get, it is my... Uh, it is my greatest regret that I have not made more gumbo analogies in my From life. From now on, we need at least one gumbo analogy every episode. I, I can't commit to that, and I, I'm sure the listeners wouldn't want that. But I will say this, man. I am an internationally award-winning gumbo chef. Check my that Twitter account. That is pretty account. cool. It's true. Um, yeah, so so that's, that's, that's my feels on this episode. But what about you, man? How do you feel on this episode overall? So overall, yeah, you know, I agree with you. There's some really neat things, some really neat concepts that they played with. There's some great character development. But at some point, it feels kind of like since the stakes were just non-existent, that this was almost an episode solely designed to give Barry and Iris the, you know, because, you know, Iris had another speech like a, uh, uh, you know, a classic uh, oh my gosh. Heart of the Team kind of speech. That's another it, one of those great, like great character moments, man. I was, it got a little dusty as I was yeah. watching that. Like that was, that was powerful. That was a great I mean, moment. Yeah, but to me, it feels like that, you know, that it was a great moment. You're right. But like, it just feels kind of like the whole episode was sort of like built around, okay, we need to have Iris to have a good speech right now, like a, a really powerful moment. Well, how can we have a really powerful moment? Oh, we'll talk about, you know, the time that uh, the fir- they first fell in love. It's like, well, how are we going to make that significant? Oh, Barry will lose his memories for an episode. You know, they, they, they had this really great payoff, but like the, the, the pieces that they put together and the reason behind it, I don't know. It just felt like, like that moment is kind of soured to me by how they came to it, if yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah. I, you know, and I do think it kind of almost culminates in, in the very tail end of, oh, we need to power this thing. Okay, where are we going to get it? Well, we that's more power than the sun. And then all of a sudden, here's a red glowy thing that we're supposed to know what it is, but nobody knew what that was. I, I assumed it was Dominator. I mean, I got there, but I got there because of the preview for next week's episode. And like, it was very much kind of like, I don't know, th- th- this episode felt really out of place. I-, I feel so conflicted on this. I really do because I've talked to different people. I've Some people hate it. Some people love it. I understand what's to love here. I also understand what's to hate here. This is a very conflicting episode. Maybe one of the most conflicting episodes of the entire season for me. Yeah. And, 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 uh, Will, Will in the chat, my co-host on uh, legends TV talk made up a, a, brought up a really, really good point. Uh, he wrote, this episode feels like a March or April episode, not a May sweeps one. Exactly. Uh, at the end of this episode, everything is left exactly as it was at the start. It was a total waste. And mm-hmm. yeah, like there, like we've been saying this entire podcast, there were a lot of great character moments. There's a lot of like, you know, throwbacks to the story and the world that they've, that they've established. But yeah. at the end of the day, that episode could have never happened. And the plot, the overall story for this season would have been not affected whatsoever. We'd exactly. have missed out on some on some cool character moments and some, you know, some other things like that. But overall, it just doesn't matter. And even even like, again, those those great character moments, because those are not wasteful, but they could have been better spent in a different story. Um, in my it's, opinion, it's like in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's like taking, you know, Chef Boyardee ravioli and scraping truffles over it. Yeah. You know? I, 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 I'm going to stick with my gumbo recipe, but, um, but for those that can't cook, uh, I understand that you have to go there. Um, Bell. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, yeah, you know, not everybody's a world renowned gumbo chef. Internet, everybody's yeah, had chef Boyardee. Uh, yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's, <laughs> that's, that's good. You gotta do what you gotta do. All right, man. Well, well, here's the deal. I, 
out of everything that came out of this episode, there was a, a, a very almost off the cuff comment made in the very first 30 seconds of the episode that I think is worth examining uh, a comment made by Savitar to Barry when evaluating the various ways in which uh, potentially Barry could stop Savitar from ever existing. They make mention to somebody uh, who is near and dear to our hearts. Those of us who are, are fans of uh, the, the flash lore, the comics, and of course, this season as a whole, or the series as a whole, Eobard Thawne. And that's going to bring us to this week's Speedster Speculation. Okay, man. Eobard Thawne. Savitar tells Barry that Eobard is still kicking around. What? Yeah, apparently so is Leonard Snart. I mean, I don't, I don't, what is real? Why, 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 hang on, hang on. Real. You say apparently Leonard Snart. They never, they never actually said that in this episode. Well, they didn't say it in this episode, but I mean, we know from the preview from next episode, but that's next episode. I don't go off of previews, sir. I go off of what I saw in the episode. Okay. Yeah. But Eobard is alive, but he's not alive because we saw him die on Legends, but he didn't die on Legends because he just got something. I don't know. Okay. So is that, so, all right. So, all right. First of all, what is Savitar talking about? So I, I, I'm assuming that Savitar I think Flashpoint is 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 going to be instrumental to the reason as to why Eobard is still there, because there, there there were two uh, uh, Eobards in Legends, and only one of them. Wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what? So okay, there's Doomworld, right? Doomworld was created. Okay, by Eobard. By Eobard, uh, they go back in time to World War One, 1917, uh-huh. uh, to destroy the Spear. Right. Eobard follows them back in time. This is spoilers for Legends, by the way, just to, you know, I, I, I guess, I guess yeah. probably by warning overall, but uh, just to catch you up, for those of you who are just watching Flash and not watching Legends, this entire last season of Legends was all about this idea of the, uh, uh, the, the Legion of Doom, essentially, and basically it was Eobard, specifically the Eobard that, that killed Barry's mom, then dropped Barry back in the present after Flashpoint. Um, he's now being, he was being chased by the Black Flash, because specifically he should not exist. Um, he teams up with Merlin and with Damian Dark and with eventually Captain Cold. They get this thing called the Spear of Destiny. It's supposed to have t- t- you know power over all reality. Therefore, basically Eobard using it to bring himself into an existence in which he can survive without the Black Flash trying to eradicate him. No, he imprisons the Black Flash. He, he imprisons the Black Flash in the universe that he created. I don't know why he did that as opposed to just make himself alive again. But regardless, that's what he did. Bell, you said there's two Eobards, though. Yeah, so in the season finale, what happens is is they go uh, back in time to 1917, and that you know the whole thing is they have to avoid running into their past selves. Well, you know, a, a lot of the uh, legends from the future end up dying, uh, but there's still an Eobard, and the Eobard from there, there's two Eobards because one Eobard followed them back in time uh, to to try to thwart them, and there's another one from the original timeline in 1917 who was there. And so uh, this the, the future Eobard from Doomworld brings a bunch of Eobards from various parts of the time stream to, to come and fight, right? Uh, uh, is that right? I just thought they were just time remnants from that one moment. No, they're Eobards from various... That, what, I'm pretty sure what he said was is, is they're Eobards from various points in time. I don't think he said that, but I'll, I'll go back and check. Uh, yeah, I, I thought so. I mean, I, I don't know. I got, the, I got the, the... I thought he was doing the Zoom thing. I thought he was just creating a bunch of... But in all fairness, maybe he can't do time remnants. No, yeah, Captain Captain Dooley in the chat confirmed it. Uh, he said he pulled them from different times. Okay, so he got himself from a bunch of different... Okay, all right, fair enough. Keep going. So, uh, uh, Sarah gets the spear. She essentially 
depowers it. And that was her big trick. I mean, instead of doing all the cool stuff, she could have done when she depowers it. Uh, and then what happens is, is you have the Doom World Eobard and the 1917 Eobard. Well, Black Flash comes in and destroys the Doom World Eobard. So you still have a 1917 Eobard who... Well, where was he? This, I, 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 so he doesn't show up in the original time when they go to 1917 until... Uh, like but he right was there, there in an the, earlier episode of Legends of Tomorrow. He was in that timeline, at that in that moment in the timeline. Yes, yes, he was in that moment in the timeline. All right, so, so there, there was there was no point in the in the other episode where there were two Eobards at the right, same point. Right, because he time. goes into the tent where the other guys are, and they're like, "Well, uh, he's like, it's me from the future." It's like, yeah, we know you're from the future. Like, no, 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 from earlier in the future or something like that. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so there's still another, and so that's that's what I don't understand. It's like this. Was that the Flashpoint Eobard? I don't know. And so so there's now this one Eobard that was like, you know, dissolved or whatever into the Speed Force by the Black Flash. Black Flash runs off. And now, but we still have the original 1917 Eobard before he created Doom World. But the spear is depowered, so it doesn't really matter. Right. Uh, well, I, so, I'm sticking with my theory, though. Well, keep going. Keep going. And so, I I mean, I maybe that's like a, a you know, a loophole there that, that makes it so that this Eobard... Or there still is an Eobard, but he's in 1917 right now. Uh, maybe that's the one that we're going to be dealing with in the future. It, or if he comes back at all, I don't know if he will. But you know, that's still an Eobard that hasn't been dealt with. Now, well, okay, so uh, Gunnar, you you saw it in the chat. Can you refresh my memory when the Doom World Eobard gets destroyed by the Black Flash? Do all the other various time period flashes also? Dis or sorry, reverse flashes disappear. I remember this specifically. They they like they shimmer away, whereas the Doom World uh, Eobard is like he's broken up into pieces and glowy pieces, like Eobard was in, in you know the end of season one. But yeah. instead of blue, it was orange, and so he was he was broken up into little pieces in the same way that his season one counterpart was. But the well, other ones were not. The other ones shimmered out. They they shimmied, shimmy, 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 shimmy. They shimmied out. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so I think, I don't know. I think there's still a 1917 Eobard wandering around that could come back later. So I, I think man. maybe that's what Evil Bear is talking about. Okay. All right. So that, so that, sorry. So, and it's all because of Flashpoint. Flashpoint screws everything up. One way or the other, this is an, this is a Savitar that has experienced four years into the future from now. He's got, at, at this point, he has four years and two episodes knowledge ahead of our Barry. Because what was revealed in this episode was that Barry, you know, and Team Flash lock him up four years into the future. Um, so the implication then is that Savitar Barry knows that sometime between now and in the next four years, Eobard was is going to come back in in some capacity. Which perhaps, and this is this is where I was trying to like piece together, is whether or not Barry would know that. Like, would Barry know that Eobard is still kicking? Because from our standpoint, there's no he, he has no knowledge of what was going on in Legends. Well, yeah, sure. He would know if, if Eobard came back some point within. Uh... But his past. So, so what I'm trying to say is that Savitar Barry tried to explain to Barry that him killing himself means nothing because, you know, look, that's what Eobard did or that's what Eddie did. And look, Eobard is still around and kicking. But does Barry know that? Like, is, is are we to assume that Barry believes you, that Eobard is at large because if if Barry thinks that Eobard's at large I feel like I feel oh, like I see what you're saying so yeah. so you're you're asking if Barry thinks that Eobard doesn't he if Barry doesn't know that Eobard's been destroyed by the Black Flash or the other possibility is that Eobard comes back at some point in the future past season three 
Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I, I have no earthly idea. And so, I mean, I, like I said, I would, I would imagine that Savitar, obvi- I mean, you know, <laughs> safe bet. Eobard's going to come back on the flash at some point in the next, you know, four, four seasons. Fair. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. So theoretically speaking, Savitar Barry would have that kind of future knowledge and everything. Yeah, yeah, and and plus, Savitar Barry has done a whole lot more time travel than uh than uh regular Barry. Yeah, well, clearly, clearly, and I, I actually I liked that line that he had too about like you know the more you break the rules, the less they apply. Can we talk about that though? What do you want to talk about it? Is is he saying that like if you just willy nilly break time travel so bad that the the uh, time wraiths and the Black Flash just ignore you? No, I think it's more of like it's like you know truth becomes relative the more you lie. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the, the first time you kill is difficult. The second time much easier. And then by the time that you've like murdered entire, like, like wasted away entire villages, it, it's almost nothing to you. So I think that's what he's, what he's trying to make an argument. For. Oh, the weight of time travel. He doesn't care anymore because the, he's done it. He's broken the rules so much. Exactly. And the consequences don't like it's, it's, he doesn't care about the consequences anymore. You yeah. Know? Like he's, he's built himself up as a God. And actually one of the, you know, one of the great, kind of lines is is Barry's recognition of what Savitar said, right? He's like Barry's like it's like no, I I can be a god. Any speedster can be. Like this is this is a very legitimate argument that Savitar is making. Like that is that is the power that that he has. And the abuse of said power is exactly what kind of elevates Savitar Barry to this, you know, when 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 all rules don't apply and all reality exists because you're the one making that reality then yes, by that very definition, Savitar has kind of attained this kind of personal and very, you know, powerful godhood, quote unquote, little G on the days that he's feeling as humble as, um, drags. yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, but one way or the other, like that's, that's the, uh, I, I, I thought that was a good line. Man, I feel so conflicted about this episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. It's, oh man, it's just, just, just the, the the sweet truffly goodness or the sweet undoy goodness is just ruined, ruined <laughs> by the chef boyardee or uncooked rue. I don't know if it's ruined. It's there and it's good. It's just, it's just, I've like I said, conflicted. But hey, this is. Uh, I think, I think we have pushed it beyond the limit. The uh, the the chat is now requiring uh, adult beverages in order to try to survive the the <laughs> the, the mental gymnastics that we've been trying to do uh, in this particular episode. So. Uh, yeah, one way or the other, we'll, we'll find out. I think Eobard, uh, Eobard shall return at some point. That is, if nothing else, I think it's safe to speculate that. Season five. It's season five. Hey guys, this is Chad Rogan and you are listening to Flash TV Talk. Your thoughts, your comments. Listener feedback. Listener feedback, man. We got, uh, hit birder. Who uh, uh, wrote in an iTunes review? What did Hit Birder say? Said awesome podcast. Love, love, love this podcast. I look forward to it every week and learn so much about the background of the comics because of how knowledgeable the hosts are, and they make me laugh, which is frosting on the cake. Keep up the good work, Heather. Thanks, Heather. That's awesome. We really appreciate that. I I, I love making people laugh, and so I'm glad you also enjoy my terrible jokes. <laughs> <laughs> we also have uh, Mike that wrote in as well. What did Mike say? Uh, Mike says, sup guys, so looking forward to Injustice 2. I thought it was coming out in August. What an awesome surprise. I actually still play Injustice often on Xbox Live, so stoked for the new game. And I'll definitely coordinate with you guys for your uh, for your game night. If Bell wants someone to play the first Injustice game with on Xbox Live, I'd be so down. Uh, I don't have any other friends who are into this kind of stuff. Catch you later, guys. This uh, 
this break can't end soon enough. Like, ah, yeah, that was the break. So oh. that was actually in before the uh, before the most recent episodes came back in. But uh, oh, okay, okay. I was like, hmm, break. Well, Mike, man, th- uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, we are we are definitely stoked. Uh, looking forward to playing some games with you guys as soon as the uh, as soon as Injustice comes out next week. It's gonna be fun. You know, it, it's funny about like I've been. I'm I'm surprised at how hyped I've been for this game. The, the, I find myself kind of constantly going to the YouTube videos as they release new information. Um, I ended up, I, mean, I ended up going full Monty and getting like the full package. So you know, and and pre-ordering. So I've got Dark Side. They they actually had a uh, announcement video this week with uh, some of the characters that that are coming. You know, in as part of the DLC oh, yeah. uh, with uh, Starfire, Red Hood, and uh, actually uh, your 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 boy. Um, cold ninja face guy uh sub-zero yeah that's right that's right because uh you can do sub-zero versus captain cold that'd be pretty cool ah uh, captain cold's gonna win i mean i don't know sub-zero is like an inhuman weird monster thing oh yeah 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 you know who's held his own against inhuman monster things his entire like criminal career uh so but yeah that's right because it's not it's not meta human version of captain cold it's regular yeah this is this is classic that's a good that's a good point man in this game they very specifically made the choice to go classic captain cold so he's got the gun uh to the best of what we're able to see it's not like he has the uh, new 52 you know model or power set so props props to injustice 2 going classic you you guys y'all get it thank you for that yeah yeah well you know i'm sure it's probably based on the popularity of the show well, I mean, that's that's surely surely a uh, Captain Cold skin is coming, you know, to match the show and, and hopefully across the board for the DC TV characters that we've got. Um, guys, join us again. That's going to be next Tuesday after the uh, East Coast airing of The Flash. Directly after that, we're going live. Bell on Xbox Live, me on PlayStation 4. Details at FlashTVTalk.com. Uh, we'll have that information and more where you can keep up with us uh, for the, uh, the during the week. At Flash TV Talk on Twitter is where to find us. You can also follow me. I'm at the Real Bo York. You can find Bell at Ring That Bell. But if 140 characters isn't enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at podastery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. And for the latest news and daily discussions on all things Flash, be sure to hit up the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Flash TV Talk. And as always, special thanks to Charlie Bach, who provides our outro music. You can check out the rest of his awesome stuff at soundcloud.com slash charlie bach speaking of special thanks big ups to Derek russell for providing the uh the snoring <laughs> that yeah. that you enjoyed as part of the uh, opening bit for this particular episode uh and and again big thanks to our, our friends over at starkville labs if uh if you're looking if if you need just one flash podcast then i guess you you're listening to it but if you need two flash podcasts check it out starkville labs great great podcast and honestly if, if you listen to them then you're probably not listening to us <laughs> but uh but one way or the other uh so check them out big ups to those guys they're they're great um yep and that uh that being said don't worry two episodes left guys it's coming to a close and what a close it will be don't worry we'll be back in a flash